Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number four, and I want to read verse 18, Luke 4 and 18, these are the words of Jesus as he was in his home church at Nazareth, Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed, everybody say anointed, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This was an opening of Jesus' ministry. Really, it was an opening of a new era. And uh, there's just one word that I want to kind of focus on. And the scripture says, and he hath anointed me, anointed me. I want to preach, teach here tonight about the anointing, the anointing. Would you uh, help me pray that the Lord would bless in the remainder of this service here this evening. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you so very much for your touch, your help, your strength, your blessing We thank you, God, for this precious commodity called your anointing. We need it. We must have it. We want to understand more about it through your word tonight. And I pray that you would help us as we enter into this Bible study. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to stand before your people to teach your word. And I pray that you would help us to be effective tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. The anointing. Um, I want to digress just for a few moments here, and I want to look at 1 John chapter number 2 and verse 16, and I think they have that for the monitors uh, so that you can see that scriptural reference, but the scripture says, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And it's not of the Father, but is of the world. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And this is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And as you consider these three areas, uh, these three things, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, I look at them as sort of like columns that just about every sin that you could think of could be categorized in. It would fall in probably one of these columns. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And as I was looking at our text, this passage from Luke 4, previous to Jesus proclaiming or declaring His anointing, as he went, first of all, to his hometown crowd or to the church there at Nazareth where he had been brought up, the Bible says previous to that, even in the previous verses of this particular chapter, Luke 4, and of course it's also in Matthew, the fourth chapter, and then Mark also talks about it. So in the uh, three synoptic gospels, you have references to this temptation that took place in the wilderness. And really, you see these three categories that I just referenced overcame in Jesus' life before he enters in to this place or declaration, as, as it were, of his anointing. And uh, they're not necessarily in the same order as they are listed in First John. But nevertheless, as I was analyzing this, as the enemy would come to him, I guess you could put each one of these temptations in one of these categories. 
um, one of these three areas. He, first of all, comes to him, you know, after a period of fasting and appeals to his flesh. He appeals to his flesh. He says, why don't you cause these stones to be made bread? You have the power, you say. You could easily make any one of these stones that you're standing on or that are around you. You could, you could command them to be made bread, and it would satisfy your hunger. This was the appetite of the flesh that he was appealing to. And we know that when we talk about the lust of the flesh, we're talking about greater than just physical hunger. We're talking about spiritual things and spiritual implications here. But uh, I think uh, this is applicable to what I'm talking about, and that is this was something that was overcome. It was appealing to his flesh, of course, through this channel of hunger. But uh, there's many ways that we are tempted in our flesh. Hunger is certainly, appetites are certainly one of the greatest things that the devil uses to lead people away through the uncontrolled appetites of their flesh. Uh, it could be uncontrolled appetites as far as desires of the flesh that are sinful, that lead to works of the flesh and sins that are committed in our flesh. And so we understand that Jesus immediately tells him, it is written that man should not live by bread alone. There's something higher than the urges and the appetites of my flesh. There's something more important than that. And it has to be submitted to God. I have to submit my will, this flesh, to God and to every word, every word that proceeds uh, from the Scripture, that proceeds uh, out of the mouth of God. That's what we're going to live by. That's what we're going to abide by. But by every word of God, he says. And so the devil uh, comes back at him again. And he takes him to a high mountain and he shows him the kingdoms of the world. It's interesting to see that it says that he was able to do this in a moment of time. And uh, he was able to reveal this to him in just a little bit, just a moment of time, showing the kingdoms of the world. And he tells him, basically, he said, I will give this all to you. I'll submit it all to you if you will uh, bow down and worship me. And, uh, of course, Jesus comes back to him and says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And we understand that what he is appealing to here is the lust of the eyes. He's appealing to the lust of the eyes. Look around at all that you can have. All that is so appealing about this world. Look at all the sparkle and the shine and Look at it all. He's looking at the lights of the, the kingdoms of this world and all of this. Of course, it was all his to begin with. But uh, Satan, being the prince and the power of this earth, uh, said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll relinquish any control that I do have. But it, first of all, was designate, designated to him by God. And so he appeals to what he could see. I'll give you all of this. And, and how many times does Satan use that tactic, present things to folks and try to appeal by the way things appear. But things are not always as they appear. Can you say amen to that? And then he comes to him, of course, with probably the greatest hindrance to a person being anointed and blessed of God. He takes him to a pinnacle, the pinnacle of the temple, and uh, he says, cast yourself down. You're, you're, you're the son of God. Uh, you have all power. And if you're who you say you are, then uh, you're not even going to reach the place where you would fall and you, your foot would not even be dashed against a stone until angels could receive you up. So he's appealing to the pride here. 
and uh, activate your power. Show us how powerful you are. And of course, again, uh, the Lord appeals to him and says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But uh, d- display the, the power, the authority, the strength that you have. And uh, that is appealing, of course, to the pride of the flesh of Jesus Christ. But our example, the Lord, He overcame each one of these things. He, he, he rose above each one of these temptations and then immediately after that goes into the city of Nazareth and makes a declar- declaration which was a quote from the prophet Isaiah about what his mission was. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The anointing is certainly one of those things <coughs> Excuse me, that we often talk about and we speak of and we read of in the scripture but uh, ironically very few of us really genuinely understand it uh, to the point that we should and we hear a lot of preaching about the need for the anointing but do we really understand the purpose of the anointing and the most simple definition of the anointing that I could give to you, and this is just in layman's terms, but it's God's empowerment. It's God's empowerment. And anointing, I think it's important that you understand that anointing is not something that you receive one time and it's just something that, not at least in our relationship with God, is it something that is necessarily just resident. It's something that just stays there no matter how we live or what we do, because I believe with all of my heart that the anointing is something that is only retained through our relationship with God. Daily disciplines that we practice and that we live by that brings God's blessing and continued favor and anointing to our life. So it's important that we understand that. Even in Old Testament times where people were by coronation of a king or uh, maybe a priest was anointed. We read about how that Aaron was anointed and, and uh, the psalmist talks about it and how precious that was. And he likened unity to that as the anointing oil flowed from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And he, he likened that to unity, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to w- dwell together in unity. And so we know that there's instances in the Scripture. We read about Saul's anointing. We read about David as a young shepherd boy being anointed and uh, how powerful those instances were. And we know that it was an act of a prophet or a man of God going and actually uh, placing uh, the oil upon the head of that individual, pouring it upon the head of that individual. But in New Testament times anointing comes from the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And every believer that receives a wonderful gift of God's Spirit receives the anointing and the blessing of God and I might say the empowerment and the authority that comes with the Holy Ghost. Now anytime you see the anointing throughout the Scripture referenced, many times it's connected for or to a specific purpose. And that person was not always used in that way. Just because they were used one time does not mean that they were always used in that specific way all the time. You know, uh, for instance, uh, Jehu was anointed to get rid of the idolaters out of the land, he he was able to go and slay them and also remove Jezebel um, from her post as queen over Israel. And he was used of God and anointed of God for that purpose. And uh, yet, 
we, we understand that it did not end good for him. In other words, he did not retain that anointing. He did not keep that anointing. He did not continue on with the consecration that was needed to retain that anointing. But I believe with all of my heart that God anoints people to confront and to stand up to whatever challenge that the enemy would present them with, God can give us the anointing that we need to overcome that challenge. Can you say praise the Lord? And uh, the anointing, how is it used and what is it used for in our lives? And so I want to answer that question. I believe, first of all, it's used to overcome personal obstacles and to confront situations, as I've already mentioned here, that would come into the life of a child of God so that they may live fruitfully and be blessed. I believe it's God's will that each one of His children live a blessed life. Just because we live blessed lives and fruitful lives does not mean that those are lives without contradiction. There's not any resistance. There's never any encounters with the enemy. That does not mean that. But it means in spite of that, you can be blessed, you can be fruitful, and you can be used of God. John chapter 15 and verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. And I want to stop right here and say that there are certain words or terms in the Scripture that are kind of interchangeable with anointing, and ordained is one of them. To be ordained is to be anointed, in other words. Unction is another term that is used in Scripture or otherwise that we use that is closely related to being anointed of God. But this New Testament term, ordained, that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he shall, or he may give it to you. First of all, I want you to understand that he says, once you're anointed or once you're ordained, you're not ordained just to park somewhere, to sit somewhere, just to be a ticket holder until uh, the Lord comes for his church. This is not so that you can just be saved to do nothing, but this is so that you can be sent forth. The anointing is seemingly always connected to that. The anointing is used to send people forth. When we think of the anointing, sometimes we think of it only in terms of ministers being used and anointed of God. But that's not true because all of us, every member in this church, every spirit-filled believer is to be a minister in some way or fashion. It may not be a pulpit ministry. It may not be called uh, to do the work of a pulpit uh, preacher or minister of any kind or to pastor, evangelize, be a missionary or any of those kind of things. But I do believe that you're anointed. Each one of you have gifts and talents that God wants to ordain and use and anoint and use you to be effective in those things and use them to to help you to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. But in order for us to be fruitful, he said we must be willing to go and bring forth fruit. We must be willing to submit ourselves to whatever purpose that God has for the anointing that is in our lives. And I think each one of us should earnestly seek out what that is. God, you have a purpose in your kingdom for me. There's a desire that you have and a plan that you have designated for me. And I want to find out what the will of God, the perfect will of God is in my life. And I want to fulfill that purpose because I'm not interested in just being an absorber of uh, the anointing and never dispensing the anointing to somebody else. In fact, I think you'll lose what you have if you're not willing to minister it to somebody else. And I'm going to prove that just a little bit later. But he said the anointing that I'm willing to give you helps you to be fruitful and that fruit is not something that is perishable 
like we think of fruit. I mean, you take fruit that we think of in the natural, you place it on a counter, and if it's not consumed pretty quickly, it's going to perish, right? You're going to see little things buzzing around it after a while. It's going to start stinking. And uh, might even, if you leave it there long enough, be so putrid that it, you, you can't even, uh, you can't even, it loses its form. It, it begins to rot. I don't want to gross anybody out. But, uh, you know, I don't like green bananas, but I don't like brown ones either. Do you? You may like brown ban- ban- bananas, but I don't care for them. And uh, I, I don't like apples that have worms in them. And I don't like fruit that has fruit flies buzzing around it. I'd just soon not have any of those things. But the anointing, how many knows that the Holy Ghost talks about, or the Scripture talks about the Holy Ghost serving us as a seal? It talks about us being sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost is in something, it can preserve that thing, that work that we're part of. You know, people that begin to do something and, and the Holy Ghost is not in it, it'll fall apart. That's really what Gamaliel was saying about uh, the early Christians. He said, if it's not of God, he said, it's going to fall apart anyway. We don't have to fight it. It'll fall apart on its own. But if it's of God, there's nothing we could do to bring it down. We would be resisting God. So when the Holy Ghost is in it, it's fruit that's going to remain. It's fruit that's going to remain. And so I want what I do to be successful. I want what we do as a church to be successful. This is why we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost in it. And you need to seek after being led of the Spirit and anointed by God in the work that you would do. But uh, I believe that God wants us to be blessed. And one of the signs of being blessed is not the material and monetary things that you can you can amass. That's that's not how you that's not how you gauge blessings necessarily. Uh, that could be a part of it, uh, but even when God blesses a person monetarily and materially, it's so that they would be a blessing, so that they would give to the kingdom of God, and so that they would be willing to invest more in the kingdom of God, and God continues to bless them even more so that they can do more for the kingdom of God. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to those that are in contact with you. You're going to be a blessing to my people. I'm not making you rich just so you can live large. I'm making you wealthy because I want you to be a blessing to others. Can you say praise the Lord to that? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that righteousness means that you have to take a vow of poverty. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I know that there's many people that have attached uh, uh, that to living righteous, and, and, and really that, that really streams out of uh, Catholicism. And, uh, and I appreciate all of those that, that give and give abundantly and, and maybe have given to the point that, uh, you know, they put themselves in, in, in jeopardy, maybe financially doing so or whatever, I believe God honors what we do and what sacrifices we make. But I, I do not believe that necessarily that uh, righteousness can be equated just with monetary things is what I'm trying to say. Whether it's on this end or that end. Can you say praise the Lord to that? And so uh, you, you understand that we... And the blessed life that we have in the anointing and walking in the anointing of the Holy Ghost can have much more to do with uh, the spiritual man than it does just the natural man. And when we have the spiritual man together, our lives are much more complete because if, if blessings could be attached to monetary things, I guess all of those people in Hollywood that are on their fourth, fifth, and sixth marriages and are still so unhappy and many of them committing suicide of late, I suppose that that they should be happy if it was just monetary things. But they have proven 
that money and monetary things and materialism and stardom is not where it's at. We need something that remains. We need fruit that remains. I'm going to tell you, when it's in the Holy Ghost, you can have joy that is unspeakable, the Bible says, and full of glory. The Bible talks about the Holy Ghost. It says it's righteousness, it's peace. Isn't a whole lot of people searching for inner peace and inner joy, and they have trouble finding it? Well, I want to tell you where you can find it is in the Holy Ghost. It's a fruit that remains. So, first of all, the anointing comes for us to be empowered personally, to overcome. And this is a term, that the, this is not necessarily a scriptural t- phrase, but it's a term that we use to identify uh, situations in our own lives. I believe the Holy Ghost can come to help us to fight our own demons, our own situations, our own uh, things that we struggle with. There's, there's things that we are predisposed to that God can help us to overcome. Maybe it's because of the way we were raised, or maybe it was because of something that happened to us in our lives, and all of those things. But God can help us to overcome those things because when you come to God, the Scripture says that you're born again. Born again. I have to believe that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. I have to believe and take that literally. It's not a figurative figurative phrase or scripture. I don't believe that that's something that is to be spiritualized necessarily. Uh, What I mean by being spiritualized is to be explained away. don't, Don't take that literally. I really do believe that we're new. Our mindset is new. Our thinking is new. Our way of living is to become new. I believe that people that have... Uh, propensity to be given to certain things, they can overcome that through the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're predisposed to drug use or alcohol use because you know it comes down generationally and all those kinds of things, well, I believe when you're born again, you overcome that. I believe the blood of Jesus is more powerful than that. Predisposed to depression, then I believe that you can overcome that through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And then... Let's take it even a little further. The second thing that the anointing is used for is to empower us to overcome the works of the enemy. How many knows that you have an adversary? I don't believe we ought to just go around all the time studying, 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 getting all the intelligence that we can on our enemy. But I do believe that it it helps us to at least have a cursory understanding of how he operates and how he works and be able to identify it and know the adversary that's coming against us well enough to know and identify that that's the enemy working. I don't need to accept that. I don't need to believe that lie. I don't need to, I don't need to embrace that deception. I, I don't need to go along with that because that's the enemy working in our lives. And uh, the Bible tells me, Isaiah 10, 27 And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now we know that Isaiah here, just a little background, is the messianic prophet. He's speaking of the day that Jesus Christ would come and the anointing that he would carry. You know the the term Christ is the anointed one. That, that, that means that he was the manifestation of anointing that we're speaking about tonight. Jesus Christ was. And so we, we understand that he destroys the yoke. The enemy wants to put us in a yoke. He wants to have control. A yoke is used to, to uh, burden a person or a, a beast, rather, uh, burden a beast to to, to do something that it otherwise does not want to do. Would you say amen to that? It keeps it uh, under its control. And uh, who, who's ever uh, plowing with a yoke of oxen, uh, they probably could not plow with that oxen because of his, you know, being stronger, being more, uh, having, having uh, strength and, and ability that, the only way you can control it is to get it in a yoke. Well, I'm going to tell you that, that yokes come in all shapes and sizes for saints of God. 
And it really should not be that we ever submit as saints of God, as children of God, to the yoke of the enemy. But sadly, some of us do. Sadly, some of us do. We, we settle in our minds for yokes in our mindset. We, we settle for limitations. A yoke is limiting. It keeps that oxen from doing anything that it desires to do or it could will to do. It, it keeps it in, in the traces, as it were. It keeps it confined, as it were. Well, I want to tell you the enemy tries to put a yoke on people to keep them confined from ever reaching their full potential. And it's the anointing, the same anointing that you receive when you got the Holy Ghost. You need to keep it renewed and keep yourself free of the yokes of the enemy. And he can destroy the yoke. Not just break the yoke. If you break it, you can repair it. You know, we need more than just temporary breakthrough. There's areas of our lives we need to get those things destroyed. The Bible talks about Saul, how that God spoke through the prophet and told him, I want you to annihilate all of the Amalekites. Don't leave one of them. And I'm going to give you the power to do it. But he left some of them and it later on comes back to haunt him and to afflict him and be a problem and mock him in his life. In other words, he got a little breakthrough. He had control of it instead of it having control of him or being a real threat to him. But, uh, you know, that's not good enough. It's not just good enough to get yourself uh, in a position where you feel like, well, I, I feel better. Amen. I believe God's able to do more for us than us just feel better. I believe He's able to give us total freedom. I believe He's able to give us total and complete liberty over things. David didn't just not knock Goliath down, but he cut his head off. And we need to go and follow through with what God has given us victory over. If He gave us an opportunity in a church service or otherwise, a prayer meeting or whatever then we need to realize, you know what? God's given me the chance right now to get this thing taken care of. There may be other challenges, but I can get this one taken care of. And we see that as an example with the people of God several times. There were certain enemies that he totally allowed them to, to annihilate and get control of. And the Egyptians, when they were... Buried in the Red Sea, they, they're never really a threat to him ever again, to the people of God. Not, not a substantial threat were they ever to the people of God. They were basically destroyed as being a real threat to the people of God from that point on. We, we see different types, you know, David, uh, David's mighty men rather fighting with the Egyptian-like man that was down there and, and uh, was able to overcome him and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, we, we understand there's instances like that. But as far as a real formidable threat, it never was. Why is that? Because God gave them an opportunity to get victory and they took advantage of that opportunity. People that struggle with the same things over and over and over again. Somewhere in their history, I would be willing to say that they did not really take the sword to the head of that when they were given the opportunity. They didn't really lob its head off. They said, you know what, I got my foot on its neck. That's good enough. I'll let it up. Live for another day. I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to certain things... You've got to vanquish it or it'll vanquish you. You've got to destroy it or it will destroy you. First John chapter number 3 and verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. How many knows that when Jesus went to the cross, that he has all power and authority over the enemy and can destroy the works of the devil. And we can see them destroyed in our lives as we submit to the Spirit and the power of God. As we live out our lives being led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And so anointing gives us authority. 
We can push back the darkness. We don't have to be invaded by it all the time. We can push back against the enemy. We don't have to be intimidated. Fear starts rolling in like a, you know, out there in the Bay Area, they have what they call a marine layer. And even in other coastal areas, they have what is called marine layer. And it, and it just kind of comes in. And you, and you see it coming in off the ocean. The ocean is colder during the hot time of the year. It is like a blanket comes in and covers. And it can be very dense. And, and you can see it coming long before it gets there. You can see it miles out on the horizon. And, and some of us, we instead of, instead of resisting that, when we see that coming, we, we almost go into a panic mode and we allow that to shake us and our faith and we allow it to bring us down. I know, I know what I speak of here tonight because I'm feeling even now in the Holy Ghost that I'm, I'm getting right where somebody is. I'm talking about this battle that goes on between your ears, in your mind. Sometimes that is the most fierce battleground that there is. And, and, and fears are real. It could be health scares. It could be the concerns about that. It could be the worries about that. And I'm not trying to minimize them and say, well, uh, you know, those are not real. Or I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to minimize them as in that, that it's not a, a real thing or not a concern or, or that you, there's something wrong with you because the devil fights you in that way. Because I promise you, if God, God, God will help me tonight, I want you to understand you can get freedom from whatever it is. But every person in this building, under the sound of my voice, without exception, it may not be that, but there's something that you need the anointing to help you with. There's something that you need God to give you the ability to overcome. That you cannot get there on your own or do it by yourself. Amen. We all depend upon the Spirit of God. That's the way this thing is constructed. That's the way this thing is designed. That's the way this thing is structured in God's kingdom. That we would rely upon the Spirit. We would rely upon it to direct us. We would rely upon it to reveal to us and show to us what we need to do and what the next step would be. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Those, those kinds of things, we understand we can only do that by submitting ourselves to the Spirit of God. Amen. And so uh, he's overcome the works of the enemy. We need to depend upon him and take authority through the name that we received in baptism, the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. How, how many knows that every knee, every knee is going to bow at that name? He has authority over everything. We can have authority over the things that come against us through the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let me just tell you this, that the anointing is a powerful thing. It, it has destructive properties in it. It has destructive powers in it. Amen. It can be used to destroy the works of the enemy in your life. It can destroy that fear that's invaded in your mind. It can destroy, it can destroy those vices and those addictions and those holds and those, those things that have, that have condemned you and, and shamed you and made you feel less than adequate. It can destroy those things. The anointing can help us to overcome. Then, thirdly, the anointing, and I think this is something that we need to understand, is the empowerment to minister to others. The empowerment to minister to others. Anointing is always connected to needs. Amen? God doesn't just give us anointing so we can feel goosebumps. God doesn't give us anointing so we can, oh man, that feels so good. Man, I just never have felt anything like it. It's not, I'm thankful that we can feel the anointing and I'm thankful for the joy that it brings and I'm thankful for the experience that we have. But that is not the main reason why God gives anointing to people. It's not just for individual benefit. But 
it's to minister to others. And this is why I told you in the beginning that it's not something that you can just say, this is, you know, it's taking residence in me. I have the anointing. I've been anointed once, and I'm always going to be anointed, bless God. And I've got the authority. That's why a person that is used in one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, I don't believe that any one of those nine gifts of the Spirit, they say, well, I got the word of knowledge, or I got the word of wisdom, I got the, I got the gift of faith, or I, I got the, uh, the gift of healing and uh, our discernment of spirits. No, you got the Holy Ghost. And those nine gifts work underneath are as, as, you know, the Holy Ghost dictates and as the Holy Ghost moves and as the Holy Ghost sees the need that is there in the body of Christ or otherwise, th- that spirit directs and that spirit leads us into those areas. Just because you... You know, I'm, you, you may be more sensitive to, having been used before in those areas, you may be more sensitive to it and be able to recognize it. And, and we know that the Scripture says by reason of use, people become more sensitive to things. And so you want to be used of God and you seek after being, well, when He begins to use you, take note of that and, you know, realize that there's maybe a way that God is speaking to me and dealing with me and there's certain things that I the clues that lets me know that he's working in my life I think every preacher has tried to hone that uh, ability that God is speaking to me and he doesn't speak to me like he speaks to brother Lorman necessarily or exactly the same way but we know that impression we know when God is saying something to us we know that when, when God is speaking and talking to us, because he's spoke to us before. And so by reason of use, we're able to, as the scripture says, we're able to develop that, that ability to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. But for somebody to go around and say, well, I, you know, I got this, I got this tool belt called the, the Holy Ghost. And bless God, I got, I got this gift of faith here. And just whenever you need it, I can get it out. And I can whip you in shape. And, 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 and I got the discernment of spirit over here. It's not like that. It's not that you can use them at your whim. The Spirit is in control of that. The Holy Ghost directs that. You can't turn it on and off like you can the lights in here tonight or the air conditioner. You cannot you cannot turn it on and off according to how you feel about it or because you see physically a need that is there. You can pray if you see a physical need, and it may be that God would would speak to you. Amen. God would deal with you and God would give you something. But we, we are living in a day when there's a lot of what I would call prophetic junkies. You know, I mean, you know, I want to go over here because I'm going to get a word over here. And I'm going to go over here because I'm going to get a word over here. And, you know, if you got the Holy Ghost, God ought to be able to give you some, some direction. You ought to look into his word and pray about it. God can speak to you. You don't have to always go. And you, I could save you a lot of gasoline. I could save you a lot of trouble traveling across and looking up. And I've seen people almost get mad. I came, I drove 200 miles, bless God. And I came for him to call me out. And he acted like he was ignoring me. And I'm offended. I had a friend of mine that is used of God, and, and uh, he said there's a young man came to a meeting, and he said he came up to him the first night and said, God told me when I came here that you had a word for me, so I'm going to be here tonight, tomorrow night, and the next night, and somewhere in here I believe God's going to speak to you and give you a word. He said, well, if he does, son, I'll tell you. Came back to him the next night. He said, well, I'm kind of surprised that you hadn't come to me yet with this word. And uh, he said, well, I hadn't got it. And uh, so <laughs> next night, boy, he was getting nervous because, you know, it was the last night and time's ticking and almost down and, and, and it hadn't happened yet. And so he comes over and he says, hey, I'm upset. You haven't gave me the word yet. He said, uh, well, God hadn't spoke, but I do got a word for you. This preacher, his first name's Mark. He said, I'm going to give you a word from the gospel of Mark. He said, you got the wrong motivation in all this. And you need to understand it doesn't work like that. And if the Holy Ghost Holy Ghost wants to move, it can move and it can flow and it can speak. 
But I can't tell the Holy Ghost what to do. I have to be led of the Holy Ghost. It leads me. I don't lead it. Amen? And that's the way it works. But it's always connected to a need. So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say if you want the Holy Ghost to work in your life, you want the anointing to work in your life, get where there are needs and get into the flow of ministry and you'll begin to see a lot more things happen through your life. Amen? You can't sit back in the grandstands and say, well, I'm... I'm you got to get down where it's at, where the rubber meets the road. And then you, you can't expect to see anybody healed if you're not willing to pray for the sick. You can't, you can't see anybody uh, receive, you can't see the gift of faith operate in your life until you get in a place where you need the gift of faith to operate in your life. And a lot of people, they don't want to get the test or the trouble or the problem or the situation where they have to have faith to operate at that level. Because you understand, the gift of faith is a special endowment of faith for a specific need. And I would assume if you needed the gift of faith, that you would have to have a great need there. And a great need means a great challenge or a great problem. Do you really want a great challenge or a great problem? Then you ought to remember that when you're praying for the gift of faith. Because it might mean that you're going to have a great problem. Not to get near as many amens. But I'm just as right, and I'm just as in the Bible. Praise God. So you've got you to realize where the need is, that's where the anointing's flowing. So let's go to Luke chapter 5. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Where there was a need, the power was present to heal them. Where there was somebody that was sick, the power was present to heal. Where there was a need, we want people to receive the Holy Ghost. We want the power of God to fall. Well, we got to do our best to get people that need the Holy Ghost in here. And we got to do our best to instruct them on how to repent because you cannot get the Holy Ghost except you repent first. And then when they repented of their sins, we need to mentor them and help them and pray with them and encourage them. We cannot expect them just to come up here to this altar and on their own with no instruction be able to receive the promise of the Holy Ghost, but they need somebody just like you needed somebody to mentor you and to help you and pray with you until you were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so you want to see God work, you got to get where the need is. Praise God. And we, 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 we see this time and again in the scripture, throughout the book of Acts in particular, you see it over and over again. We see that the Spirit of God began to move and the anointing began to flow and become active when there was needs. So I want to talk about how to activate the anointing. First of all, you have to have a consecrated life to be anointed. A prayer life. There has to be purity involved. A pure heart, pure motives I talked a little bit about motives on Sunday evening, but maybe from a little different perspective. But I want to tell you, being used of God, you always have to be concerned about your motives. Is my motives right? It's not about me. It's about those that I'm ministering to. And God anoints people that have pure motives, that live righteously. And getting where... There is people that are in need is also the way that the anointing is activated. So, as I've already stated, in the altar, working for God in some area, that's the people that's going to see more of the anointing and more of the manifestations of the anointing. And also, I think it's important that you be sensitive to when God prompts you. Now, we understand that when the Spirit speaks to us, it may go against the grain of our flesh. It may be totally different from the way we perceived it was supposed to be or we thought it was going to be. 
It may be in opposition to what our flesh wants sometimes. God tells us to do something. Sometimes he may tell us, stop at this particular point, not go any further. We think in our logical minds that I could take a few more. I know what the next couple of steps is. But until he speaks, we need to stick with the things that he's told us to do and not pass that boundary. Because there's a reason why God has not spoke for us to go any further. Amen? The Bible said, he that wins souls is wise. There's times when you're feeding a hungry soul the truth, you can only feed according to hunger. And if you try to get the whole enchilada down in your first encounter... That's not wise. None of you learned to eat that way. And why would you expect someone, a spiritual baby, to eat that way? First time you got off the bottle and on um, solid foods, your, your mama didn't go down to Taco Bell and say, I want a burrito extra spicy. Maybe she did. I don't know. But, but probably not. You wouldn't have lived to tell about it. And so you, you give according to hunger. And I, I've, seen, I've seen, you know, we all have had children that we thought, well, we'll we're going to make them eat, bless God. I open this can of food and I'm going to give it all to them. And before you know it, half of it's, Wasted anyway, because it's on the floor, it's on the high chair, and it's all over them, because they're just not hungry. But you don't have to talk somebody's hungry and eat. You just have to give it to them, but you have to give it to them properly, and you have to give them the right diet for the time. Can you say man? And that takes wisdom, and that takes being led of the Spirit, and that takes guidance of the Holy Ghost. Just like a child is learning how to swim. You don't take them out on the diving board and say, you know what, leap out there in the. Now, some of us, well, that is kind of the way we learn how to swim. I learned how to swim. My dad pushing me off into deep water. And then he had somebody down there saying, come on, swim just a little further, swim just a little further, swim just a little further. And uh, I finally realized, hey, I'm doing pretty good here. I think I can do this. And for the rest of the day, I, I just took off swimming from that point. I don't necessarily recommend that. But, you know, that's the reason why there's a shallow end in a pool. And so you don't just push somebody off into the deep end, but you let them, let them wade out and uh, experience and get used to it and, and learn how to uh, become acclimated to the water and lose their uh, inhibitions and and any concerns that they may have for their safety or whatever, that's how you do that. Well, same is true. Same is true for the things of God. There's a lot that we, that we, through living for God, come to understand. And there's things that we're still growing in. And if we ever stop growing, then we're stagnant and we're not doing the will of God. We're all learning we're just at different stages. Amen? And that is important. But we have to be sensitive and let God work and let God move. And you'll see a whole lot more prayers answered and miracles take place as you get out into the field and you begin to let God work in your life. And it does not have to be within these perimeters. It does not have to be within these four walls. If you've got the Holy Ghost, that will work anywhere. Amen? You don't just have to act. The only time it's active, it just isn't in here. It ought to be active anywhere that you go and allow the Spirit of the Lord to use you. It may prompt you at the drive-thru to talk to somebody about Jesus. It may prompt you across the counter at the bank teller to, to tell somebody about the Lord. And it may not just be an invite. You know, we assume sometimes that, well, I've witnessed because I invited somebody to church. We are to be a living witness of Him and minister to people at their point of need. Because if they're hurting right then, it doesn't do them a lot of good for you to say, well, come see us Sunday. 
Because by Sunday, they've done changed their mind about things. They may need you to give them some, be sensitive to the Lord. And I'm not saying don't say come see us Sunday. I'm saying you be sensitive to the Lord. Say, you know, uh, let's pray about that now. Or I'll be praying for you right now. Or give them a word of encouragement. Let the Lord use you. And then tell them, you know, there's more where that came from. Come and be in church with us. But but we, we've got to be sensitive and let the anointing flow through our lives. Anointing cannot be stored up necessarily. It's not, like a, it's not like a silo. You can just keep pouring it in there and you can just keep it. Do you realize that one-third of the food produced by farmers is lost or wasted? One-third. 1.33 billion tons every year of food that is grown and produced right here in America is wasted and lost. I used to live in, in the valley there, in the San Joaquin Valley, and you would, you would see literally peach trees bowed over with peaches on them. And the harvesters wouldn't get there, and there would be just about as many peaches on the ground as had been uh, harvested, it seems like. And then you go down the overpasses and, and around the exits and stuff, and you'd see tomatoes littering the sides of the roads and the shoulders of the roads that didn't make it. They blew out of the trucks, or the trucks going around the exit lost some of the load, and, and it was wasted, wasted, tons of it wasted because... It's hard to store those kinds of things. There's certain things that are hard to store. I want to tell you the Spirit is something that is to flow. And we're a conduit for it. We got the Holy Ghost. We're like an electric line, if you were. And we, we plug in to Him, and He we're 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 the the line that He uses to minister and to extend His grace and His power and His goodness to somebody else. And so that's why we've got to be sensitive to the Lord to find out where and what He wants us to be used in because we can't hold this. We can't damn this up, as it were. It's a current that flows. It's a current that flows. We know that the Spirit is likened to several things in Scripture, but water is one of those things. And water that is not flowing gets stagnant and breeds all kinds of disease and all kinds of Varmin and stuff are around that, and, and it's and it's putrid, and it's and it's it breeds death. And you take a church that is internal and never thinking about the lost, and never thinking about anybody but themselves, and is totally consumed, self-consumed. It's going to be a cesspool of all kinds of problems and detriment, and it's going to breed death instead of life. But you let the Holy Ghost flow through. And there'll be, we say, well, you know, man, we're, we want this for ourselves. Well, there'll be plenty to minister to you if you just keep letting it flow through you. It'll take care of you and others. It'll take care of you and others. Praise the Lord. And so we've got to be used as a channel that, that God can use. It's also likened to wind. And, and I, I've seen these gliders, you know, they use... The wind thermals. And, and they, they are taken up by another plane, but then they're released out into the air to go on these thermals and around coastal areas. And, and that's especially where those thermals are. And they can take tourists and they can take them around and glide around with no engine. And they've, of course, got ways to, to control the, uh, uh, the direction that they're going and and also, by catching those thermals, it can actually gain altitude with no engine, no thrust whatsoever, but just using the wind. Eagles, that's how they're able to soar so high and see so far. I'm going to tell you, as we let the Holy Ghost lift us, our vision becomes greater than just ourselves. And we're able to see the big panorama of what God wants us to see. And He empowers us to be able to change the landscape of our world. Amen. People that lets the Holy Ghost lead them in prayer, they're able to push into areas that otherwise they were not even aware of. 
I believe that's what Paul was talking about when he said, I'm praying in to a dimension that I, I can't even utter it. I don't even know what the Spirit, the Spirit's speaking through me. I don't even know necessarily what it is specifically that I'm praying about, but I know the Spirit is praying through me. And there's a need out there somewhere that the Spirit is aware of. And sometimes if you get a real spirit of intercession and prayer, and, and we don't hear about that as much as we used to, but I know of people that used to say, well, I don't know why I was under such a burden of prayer the other night. And then, and then somebody will come along and tell them, well, at that specific time and moment, I was in arm's way. I was having a problem. Or there was something going on, and they find out and connect it to that time when the Spirit moved upon them. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You've got to be sensitive to get to that point. You've got to really be in tune with God to, to be able to submit yourself to get into that place of intercession. Would you stand with me? How many wants to be used of God? How many desperately desires the anointing of the Holy Ghost? How many sees church and the things of God as more than just, just, a, just a plan that you're using uh, to get yourself and you only saved. But you want to be used of God to see others impacted. Your family, your friends, people that you come in contact with. Could you raise your hand? God sees that desire. God sees that yearning. And, and you've got you to gotta be sensitive. If there's a place that God's wanting to lift me up, there's a reason why through the Spirit He's calling me up. Amen. And, and I want to submit to that. I want to submit to that. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray right now that the Lord would help us. God, I pray that you would anoint individuals in this house to be greatly used of you. Anoint individuals in this house to be greatly used to do wonderful things to advance the kingdom of God. I pray, Jesus, that you would anoint God, and empower and use us to destroy the works of the enemy, not only, not only for ourselves personally, but help, help others to get through to victory. Help others to get through to that place in God that they need to be. Help others and reach to, to minister to others. God, to, to pray and to move the boundaries, as it were.